Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, Lord. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am you may be also and you know the place to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not... Then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask for anything, I will do it. The Gospel of the Lord. Are we there yet? That phrase, that wine, that oh-so-familiar verse of vacations and road trips, and along with it, how much further? And I have to go to the bathroom, have become staples in our psyche. Perhaps you've uttered one of these phrases, or you've heard someone else say them over and over and over. Or maybe it was the... I'm not touching you. There was a far side cartoon of two octopi in the back seat of a car with the caption, Mom, Jimmy won't keep his tentacles on his side of the car. What is it about traveling, about the journey, that can be either such a joy that inspires adages like life is a journey and getting there is half the fun, or that it can be such a travail that we will do anything to keep ourselves or someone else in the vehicle so occupied that we don't even have to interact with them for hours at a time. Sometimes the journey is both. Let's say, for example, you're one of nine people in an eight-passenger van driving from Iowa to Montana for the wedding anniversary of some friends of your grandparents with a 10-year-old cousin who has to stop every 50 miles or so to use the restroom. And one of you always has to sit on the floor because you're not old enough to merit a seat and trying not to kill each other the whole time. There are times when it's not the best day, but after you've spent that much time with family in that small of space, you look back on it as one of the best experiences of your life. 
yes, okay, that was an obvious example from a road trip from when I took, I was 14. I look back on it now with fondness, having forgotten most of the annoyances and remembering the good times like card playing with my grandmother. And it never entered my mind that my uncle wouldn't know the way, and this was all in the days before cell phones and GPS. I never go anywhere without my cell phone, or at least my atlas and gazetteer these days. Knowing where you're going is a good thing. At its mildest, being lost can mean being late for an appointment, or having the pizza delivered an hour late because the address Wartburg Theological Seminary, having been written on the order form as Wartburg Geological Cemetery, those hungry dead rocks. At its worst, being lost can mean the difference between life and death, be it the farmer who has to tie a line from his house to the barn during a blizzard, or the lost sheep cut off from its herd, clinging to a hillside and bleeding for the guidance of its shepherd. The disciples are feeling a bit like lost sheep in our gospel reading this morning. Our reading today is part of a long night scene, which includes the washing of the disciples' feet, Jesus' foretelling of his betrayal, the new commandment to love one another, and the foretelling of Peter's denial of Jesus. A lot has happened in this evening, and it's far from being over. The disciples are trying to process a lot of information and a lot of feelings. Jesus has just told them that one of them is going to betray him. He has told them that he will be with them only a little while longer. When Peter asks where Jesus is going, Jesus answers, Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Jesus then tells Peter that Peter will deny him three times. All of this in the scene in which our readings take place. After all this has happened, Jesus seeks to assuage the fears of his disciples, saying to them, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Perhaps easier said than done. In the understanding of Jesus' time, the heart was, as explained by a social science expert, the zone of emotion-fused thought, including will, intellect, judgment, personality, and feeling all rolled together. To not be troubled in the heart is to be at ease, rather than to be upset or confused and to understand what is happening all at the same time. Jesus goes on to tell the disciples why their hearts should not be troubled. Believe in God, believe in me also. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place, I will come again and will take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. And then right on cue, a disciple, this time Thomas, asks for a bit of clarification. The disciples get a lot of flack for not understanding what Jesus tells them. Sometimes it seems really deserved, and at other times they ask what seems to me really logical questions. 
Jesus has told the disciples that he's going to be betrayed and that he's leaving them. He says that he's going to prepare places in his father's house. So Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus responds with an I am statement, hearkening back to God's revelation of God's name, I am who I am. Jesus tells Thomas and the other disciples, I am the way and the truth and the life. The disciples don't need an atlas or a GPS. The way is in front of them, standing right in front of them. They don't need to go anywhere else. Their journey and their destination is precisely here in Jesus. Jesus next tells them, No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. We need to remember that this reading is from the Gospel according to John. John begins his telling of the story of Jesus with, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John writes to remind readers of the first verse in the book of Genesis, in one of the translation variations, in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth. God, the Word incarnate, Jesus Christ, cannot be separated from God the Father. Therefore, to know Jesus is to know God the Father. To believe in God the Father is to believe in God the Son. All this being said, another disciple, this time Philip, needs some clarification and explanation. Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. This might be a time of a disciple deserving some flack. Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and still you do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? It's as if Philip is saying, okay, Jesus, that's really good stuff. I'm still chewing on all that. You and the Father are close. I get that. But, you know, would you still show us the Father? How many times does Jesus have to tell these folks that he and the Father are tight, to say the very least? Jesus continues, The words that I say to you I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you don't, then believe me because of the works themselves. It's as if Jesus is saying, fine, if you still don't believe what I'm saying, then at least believe what you've seen, because what the Father can and is doing through me. Jesus even tells them, very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do works that I do, and in fact will do greater, because I am going to the Father. Jesus, the one who is the way, knows his destination. Jesus is returning to the Father where he is preparing a place for the disciples and for everyone else. Like the disciples, Jesus doesn't want our hearts to be troubled because God is waiting for us and welcoming us. Like the waiting father of the prodigal son, like a mother at a bus stop, hands outstretched to a kindergartner, like a grandparent with cookies for a Christmas visit. 
as the band Audio Adrenaline sings in their song, Big House. Come and go with me to my father's house. It's a big, big house with lots and lots of room, a big, big table with lots and lots of food, a big, big yard where we can play football, a big, big house. It's my father's house. Jesus has gone ahead of us, and there is a place for us. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life.